Hello and welcome to Live Full. My name is Joey Schwartz and this show is all about helping followers of Jesus experience the fullness of Jesus. In this episode, we're continuing our series on practices for charismatic depth, this time covering how to desire the spiritual gifts. That's where we're going. Let's get started. I'm eager to get into the topic we're covering in this episode, but first I want to let you know about my hopes for a future episode. At the end of this series, I'd love to devote a whole episode to answering listener questions around charismatic depth, how to pursue God in both word and spirit, how to practice the spiritual gifts, how to talk to others about the spiritual gifts. There are endless questions we could cover, but to do that, I need to hear your questions. So over the next few weeks, I'm going to be sending out a link to submit questions through our weekly newsletter, Three Things Thursday. So if you have a question that you'd like covered on the Q&A episode coming up, it's really simple. Sign up for Three Things Thursday, which you can do at caradox.com slash three things. And then look out over the next three weeks for a link to send in your questions. I'll be sending that on the newsletter. And before we dive in, as always, thanks for leaving a review, for subscribing, and for sharing the show with your friends and family. We don't advertise the show, obviously. So if you're listening to this show now, it's because someone somewhere told you about it. And the most helpful thing you can do for us is to keep spreading the word, share your favorite episode with your friend group, your small group, your family. And I keep hearing story after story of you all doing this. So thank you so much for spreading the word about Live Full. Now with all of that behind us, let's dive into the content for today. We're talking about charismatic depth. What is charismatic depth? It's the diligent study of God's word and the earnest desire of God's power. We are neither word-centered Christians who deny the power of the kingdom, nor are we spirit-filled Christians who deny the authority and goodness of the word. Now, we believe that since the beginning of the church, God has given us the gifts of the word and the spirit, and he's never asked for them back. We dive into the depths of the prophetic word, and we earnestly desire to prophesy in submission to the word. We want the church to pray in tongues, and we want the church to memorize First and Second Timothy. We are after sound doctrine and spiritual power, biblical literacy, and a charismatic life, scriptural wisdom, and signs and wonders. We are after all that God has for us through full life in Christ. So how do we get there? That's what we're talking about in this episode. How do we obey God's command to earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit? In just a moment, I'm going to give you three practices to prepare for the spiritual gifts. But first, I want to address one more roadblock that may be keeping you from even leaning into these practices. Back in episode number 12, I addressed some obstacles that may be keeping you from seeking the spiritual gifts. And in the weeks since then, it's dawned on me that there may be another hindrance keeping you back from exploring the gifts, and that's fear. For many Christians, there is a belief deep down that the spiritual gifts are like a Pandora's box. Once we open them, they bring us into a frightening world of spiritual warfare, darkness and demons, attack and oppression. And because the world of the spirit appears chaotic and out of control and frightening, 
we'd much rather keep the status quo and stay out of that realm. And underneath this belief is the core conviction that it is simply better to avoid the gifts than to desire them. And if that's where you are, let me talk to you for a minute with grace. I believe that this fear is a wicked tactic straight from Satan. Now to explain this, I'm going to use an analogy that is really heavy, especially for those who have suffered abuse. And like all analogies, it's an imperfect one, and I give it with care and compassion. But I use this analogy deliberately because I believe that it actually captures the evil deception of Satan's scheme. In many cases of abuse, after assailants abuse their victims, they will tell their victim not to go to the authorities. And to make sure that their victim doesn't go to the authorities, they will threaten to harm them and their families if they do. Now, think about it. What are the abusers doing here? They are trying to make their victims afraid of going to the authorities precisely because the authorities would save them from fear. The abusers know that they are powerful against their victims, but powerless against the authorities, so they make their victims afraid of going to the powers that would actually set them free from bondage to fear. Now, I believe that this is exactly what Satan is doing by making Christians afraid of spiritual power. Satan's abuse is subtle, but it's abuse nonetheless. He abuses believers with lies, pulling them into apathy and anxiety and depression and discouragement and self-loathing and a feeling of powerlessness. And after this abuse, as he goes on and on, to make sure that they remain trapped in fear, he makes them afraid of receiving the authoritative power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? Satan makes his victims afraid of the spiritual power that would set them free from fear. Why does he do this? Because he knows that he is powerful against people, but he is powerless against Christ. He knows that if believers tapped into the authority and power that is their inheritance in Christ, they would be able to stand strong against his schemes. Now, obviously, this is an imperfect analogy because in many cases, human authorities don't provide the refuge that victims are seeking. But what I'm trying to do here is showing you that we're not playing games when we talk about desiring spiritual power. I'm tired of watching Satan abuse believers, trapping them with his lies, keeping them stuck in a life of apathy and discouragement and depression, all the while telling them that the experiential power of the Spirit is something they should avoid. It's a lie. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And when you walk in the power of the Spirit, you are set free from bondage to the darkness. This is why I want you to earnestly desire the higher gifts. More importantly, much more importantly, it's why Paul and the Lord Jesus Christ wants you to desire the higher gifts. I want you to call upon the authority of Christ and receive the power that disarms the rulers and authorities. Colossians 2 verse 15. This isn't a nice optional add-on to the Christian life. This is for you. 
earnestly desire the gifts. So how do we get started? Without further ado, let's dive in. So when I talk about how to desire the gifts, I like to adapt an illustration that Sam Storms uses in his excellent book, Practicing the Power. And Sam Storms got it from John Piper, and John Piper probably got it from Jonathan Edwards, so I think they'll be fine if I adapt it here. So imagine you're on a sailboat in the middle of the water, and if you want to sail, you have three options. You can presume, you can push, or you can prepare. You can presume and sit back on the boat and do nothing. You could say, if the wind wants to come and move the boat, it can. The problem is, even if the wind does come, it won't move the boat because you haven't taken the proper action to hoist the sail. Or you can push. You can hoist the sails and wait a few minutes for the winds. But just in case the wind doesn't show up, you can simply rev up the backup engine, press the gas, and move the boat yourself. The problem with this approach is obvious. If you're moving forward with a motor, you're not sailing. The last option is to prepare. You can hoist the sails. You can do everything possible to put the boat in the proper position to receive and be propelled by the wind. And you can remove every hindering weight that would keep the wind from moving the boat. But in all your preparation, you know the movement of the boat is totally dependent on the wind blowing. That's sailing. In the same way, when it comes to desiring the power of the Spirit, we can presume, we can push, or we can prepare. Some believers presume. They say they are open to God sending spiritual power if He wants to, but they don't believe it's necessary to do anything to pursue power. The problem is that even though God wants to send the winds of his spirit, these believers haven't hoisted the sails of active faith in order to receive power. The winds of the spirit would simply brush against a heart of unbelief, a heart that believes the gifts were nice for the early church, but not actually necessary for today's church. Other believers push. We wait on the spirit for a short time, but if he doesn't move in the way we want him to, we'll rev up the man-made motor using emotional manipulation, forged miracles, impatient grumbling, or even trying to earn power through our own works to try to get God to do it anyway. The problem is, if you are pushing the spirit, you're not following him and you're not experiencing the authentic joy of catching the wind of his will. But there's another option. You can prepare. You can take every action possible to prepare your heart and soul to receive and respond to the Spirit's power. You cannot make the wind blow. You cannot force God's hand, but you can put yourself in a ready position by faith to follow the wind when it comes. So here's how we're going to desire the Spirit's gifts. Without shame, I want you to do everything you possibly can to prepare for the power of God. Hoist 
the sails every day through prayer. Get into the deep sea of biblical community. Cut off the weight of sin. Why go through all of this hard work of preparation? Because you're not guessing whether the wind is going to come. The forecast of Scripture shows a 100% chance of the wind of the Spirit coming for those who belong to Christ. He may not come exactly when you want and go where you want and give you what you want, but make no mistake, when God promised in Joel 2 and Acts 2 that He would pour out His Spirit on all flesh, He gave us a sure promise that He would pour out the undeniable power of the Spirit. This is a different kind of preparation, what I call an expectant preparation, fueled by faith in the promise of God. The winds of the Spirit are coming for you in Christ Jesus. The question is, are you prepared? So to help you hoist the sails of faith, I'm going to give you three practices for expectant preparation. Three practices for expectant preparation. Let's start with number one. The first practice for expectant preparation is this. Build the habit of building up believers. Build the habit of building up believers. To desire the gifts of God, start practicing the purpose of the gifts. Here's what I mean. In 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7, Paul writes, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Paul doesn't dampen their desire for the gifts. Instead, he directs their desire toward God's purpose for the gifts. God didn't give them prophecy and tongues and healing so that they could boast against one another. God gave them these gifts so that they could build one another up into the image of Christ. And this is why in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 12, Paul says, Since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Now notice that Paul doesn't say, stop asking for manifestations and just focus on the gospel. No, he says, you should want manifestations of the Spirit because they're going to lead the church to the gospel to remember the grace of God. You should want them so that you can excel in building up the church toward Christ-likeness. So what does this mean for you? Even if you have not yet received prophetic words and the gift of tongues or dreams or visions, maybe this is where you are. You should be practicing the purpose of the gifts. You should develop a passion and a proficiency for encouraging believers. Let me tell you a parable type story to help illustrate. It's a story of a father with two sons. Imagine that after a long career as an accomplished carpenter, a father wants to pass along his state-of-the-art tools to one of his two teenage sons. Now, his older son spends all of his time playing video games. He's building dungeons and fantasy worlds, but it's all on his Xbox. The younger son, on the other hand, spends all of his time practicing carpentry. All day long, he's working on the craft. He's building tables and chairs, and he doesn't yet have the state-of-the-art tools of his father, but he's practicing the art of his father. Now think about this. Which of the sons do you think the father will give the tools to? Of course, the younger son who is practicing carpentry. To the son who was already doing the work of building, the father will give better tools to do the work. 
In the same way, God wants to give better tools to those who are already doing the work of building up believers. If you are in the daily habit of encouraging, exhorting, edifying, and praying for believers, you're developing the habit that will be necessary to faithfully steward the higher gifts. It's no wonder that in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, Paul writes, Pursue love and earnestly desire the higher gifts, especially that you may prophesy. He's saying, run hard after love. Strive to be an expert in building up the believers around you and then earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy, so that you can love believers even better. So how do you get started in this? I want you to think of two words, assume and ask. Get started in the habit of building up believers by assuming and asking. What do I mean by assume? First, Whenever you're with a believer, assume that God has something for you in that moment to build them up. Whenever I am having a conversation with a believer, I try to assume and just have the mindset that God wants to move in that moment. And it's not because I'm special. It's because the spirit of their father lives within me. And I know that the spirit of their father in me wants to speak to them. He wants to assure them of his love. He wants to encourage their hearts. So I just assume that he has something for me to give them. And in case you're thinking what I think you're probably thinking, that this is just for pastors or for people who host Christian podcasts, No, you need to carry the mentality of a minister into every single conversation because that's exactly who you are. The Holy Spirit of God dwells in you and he wants to minister to hungry souls around you. So that's first, assume the Spirit has something for you to give. If the language of assume makes you uncomfortable, just think about it in terms of faith. You are believing in every conversation that God wants to use you to build up the believer. So first assume and then ask. Ask this question. God, what is your heart and your word for this person right now? I'll say that question again. God, what is your heart and your word for this person right now? As you're in the conversation with the believer, you need to be in a conversation with God, asking him to reveal his heart and his word for them. You're asking God to help you see that believer like he sees them, and you're asking God to give you timely and helpful words for them in that moment. As you're listening and talking to this believer, listen also to the Holy Spirit. And it could be that God wants you to give them a promise from Scripture. It could be that God wants you to pray for them. It could be that God wants you to just be a gracious and peaceful presence in that moment. Or perhaps God wants to give you a prophetic word. But what you have to do is practice, practice, practice. Every conversation, every believer, build them up. Even if it's awkward at first, Be the kind of person to whom God would entrust the spiritual gifts. Start cutting the wood and start swinging the hammer. Start building tables, even if you're using blunt tools. And you put yourself in the position to receive better tools from the Father to do the job you're already doing. This isn't about earning the tools. It's not about earning the spiritual gifts. 
It's about practicing the habits of a faithful steward as a means of preparing for God to pour out his spirit on you. That's the first practice for expectant preparation. Build the habit of building up believers. Here's the second. Show your desire through devotion to prayer. Show your desire through devotion to prayer. In Acts chapter 1, before Jesus ascends to the Father, he tells his disciples, Wait for the promise of the Father, for you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. What did Jesus mean when he said, wait? Well, the disciples could have taken Jesus to mean, just wait it out. Carry on with the status quo. Keep fishing and working and doing your thing. Just sit back and relax and the gift will come when it comes. But the disciples knew better. The promise that the gift would have come not many days from now was not cause for presumption. It was all the more reason to pray without ceasing. So what did they do? Acts chapter 1 verse 14. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. They knew that praying meant waiting. Their waiting room was the upper room, where they knocked on God's door until he did what he had promised to do. You see, waiting on spiritual power does not mean sitting back and carrying on until God pours out his spirit from heaven. Waiting on spiritual power means kneeling down and crying out because God has already promised to pour out his spirit from heaven. Waiting means praying. Are you waiting for the gift of prophecy? Waiting means praying. Are you waiting for the gift of tongues? Waiting means praying. Are you waiting for power to overcome satanic darkness? Waiting means praying. Are you waiting for God to pour out manifestations in your life? Not just manifestations you've heard about, but the undeniable power of the Spirit working through you? Waiting means praying. Here's what this all means. Devotion to prayer is the measure of your desire for God's power. Let me say that again. Devotion to prayer is the measure of your desire for God's power. So, what is your prayer life saying about how much you really want the Holy Spirit? Don't pay attention to how much you think you desire the Holy Spirit. Look at your prayer life. Because some believers say, I would do anything to be able to experience God's love and witness his power. But in reality, they're not even willing to give up breakfast to devote themselves to prayer. What we need to do is turn the waiting room into an upper room. Do not merely say that you desire more of God. Show your desire through devotion to prayer. So devote yourself to prayer, but not just any kind of prayer. Devote yourself to expectant prayer. Expect that God will come through on his promise. I quote this verse all the time, but I think it's essential for our pursuit and desire of the spiritual gifts. Hebrews 11 verse 6, Without faith, it is impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you'll see that more than anything else, Jesus was delighted by unreasonably faith-filled prayers. 
In Matthew 15, verse 28, Jesus is amazed when the Canaanite woman goes the extra mile to plea for Christ's deliverance. In Matthew 8, verse 8, Jesus marvels. It says that he marvels when the centurion tells him to save the trip and command healing from a distance. In Matthew 9, verse 18, Jesus honors the ruler's faith by providing a resurrection. In Matthew 9, verse 22, Jesus commends the faith of the woman who reached out with desperation to touch the fringe of his garment. Jesus loves when people come to him with shameless faith. And Jesus loves when his people pray with faith for the power that he promised. How can you have this kind of confidence in prayer? Because you need to see that you are not asking for the Spirit as a wage, as if God's power comes through your merit. If your confidence is attached to your righteousness, then you will never have confidence asking God to send His very Spirit into your heart with gifts for ministry. No, you need to see that you're asking for the gift of the Holy Spirit, who can only be received through Christ's sufficient righteousness through his payment in full on the cross. And this is why Paul wrote in Galatians 3 verse 5, does he who supplies the spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Hear God's promise of power and draw near to the generous father with faith. He said in Luke 11 verse 13, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Pray like it's your Father's good pleasure to give the kingdom. Pray like the Father gives the Spirit without measure. That's the second practice for expectant preparation. Show your desire through devotion to prayer. Now the third. Make yourself a ready vessel. Make yourself a ready vessel. Let me read you the word of God from 2 Timothy 2, starting in verse 20. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Let me ask you this. Are you ready for God to use you? Or are you carrying sinful attitudes and habits that would hinder the Holy Spirit working through you. Let's be clear. You cannot pay God with your piety, is what Peter says in Acts chapter 3, verse 12. But you can prepare for God with piety by cleansing yourself from what is dishonorable and pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace. You cannot earn the Spirit through a holy life, but you can expect the Spirit, by pursuing holiness in all of life. At the top of the episode, I talked about how fear holds many believers back from desiring the spiritual gifts. And to this list of things that hinder believers from walking in the gifts, I have to add 
rampant sin. Let me walk through some hypothetical examples. Sarah should be desiring and receiving prophetic words to build up her sisters in Christ, but she is too busy tearing down her sisters in Christ through bitter and jealous thoughts. Matt should be desiring and receiving the gift of discerning spirits to help guard the church from Satan's schemes, but he is so addicted to social media, to discerning the latest cultural fad, that he doesn't spend much time at all in the presence of God. Jessica should be desiring and receiving dreams and visions from God, but because she carries a critical spirit against other Christian camps and denominations, the Lord knows that visions would only feed her arrogance. John should be desiring and receiving the gift of healing to comfort believers, but he's too busy wounding believers with his sharp tongue and fits of anger. David and Emily should be desiring and receiving the gift of tongues, but David is too busy using his tongue for crude jokes in the office, and Emily is too busy using her tongue for gossip and slander with her group of friends. And let me step out of these hypothetical characters to speak directly to a real group of believers. Thousands and thousands and thousands of men in the church should be desiring and receiving spiritual power to lead their churches and families but they are too busy being lured into pornography and sexual sin. And as they waste their souls window shopping at Satan's market, their expectation of what God could do in and through them withers away. Let me speak to you, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? The call is not to clean out the temple so that the Holy Spirit may come. Paul is saying, the Holy Spirit already lives in you. He wants to move and speak and comfort and build up and display the glory of God in and through you. So stop giving your body and mind and spirit and tongue to sin. Give yourself completely to the Holy Spirit and let no hindering sin remain in you. It's no surprise that throughout church history, sweeping moments of conviction, confession, and repentance have preceded many of the great revivals. When the Holy Spirit wants to move in power, he prepares the way by cleansing us from sin. I know he did this for me. In the midst of my renewal in the Holy Spirit a couple of years ago, I was leading a part of a night of prayer that my church was hosting. And I told everyone in the room to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal specific sin within them and then to confess that sin to God. Now, I, I gave that prayer point really excited for everyone else to be convicted of sin. But once everyone started praying, I thought, if I'm asking everyone else to do this, I probably should do this myself. Good idea. So I got on my knees and asked, Holy Spirit, where am I offending you with my sin? And to my surprise, as soon as that prayer left my lips, I received a crystal clear answer. It wasn't an audible external voice of God, but in my soul, I heard God speak as clearly as you're hearing me talk to you right now. He gave me a simple but pointed answer to my prayer. He said, a bitter and critical spirit, a bitter and critical spirit. And as soon as he said it, I knew that this sin was hindering my heart from receiving and following the wind of the Holy Spirit. See, up to that point, I had strong convictions, which were good, around my theological positions. But I found comfort 
in my own camp of Christianity and looked down on other camps of Christianity outside of my own. I called my extreme preference for my own camp discernment, but the Lord knew that I had a critical spirit. And he knew that if he wanted to entrust the higher gifts of the spirit to me, he had to remove the kind of spirit which would use those gifts to bludgeon believers instead of build them up. What about you? Paul says, cleanse yourself from what is dishonorable. What do you need to clean out through confession and repentance in order to make room for the Spirit's gifts? Make yourself a ready vessel. Remember, it's not about paying God through your piety. It's about preparing for God. It's not about earning. It's about expecting. You know how in many homes, I know that this has been the case in our home in more than one season, the guest room becomes the junk room where bills and out-of-season clothes and toys fill up every square inch. Typically, the room gets that way because the homeowners don't actually expect to host anytime soon. They call the room a guest room, but really it's become a junk room. But you'll find that for those who expect guests to show up every month, They keep the room tidy. Because they believe that guests are coming, they make room. Perhaps you've been letting sin grow rampant in your life because you don't actually expect the Holy Spirit to show up. You've let the guest room turn into a junk room because you don't believe that a guest is on the way. Well, let me tell you, if you belong to Christ, the guest is taking residence in the room of your heart right now and he's bringing gifts. Expect him. Prepare for him. Believe that he wants to move, not because of your good works, but because of his own purpose and grace in Christ Jesus. And clean out the room from anything that would hinder his presence and power working through you. That's the last practice for expectant preparation. Make yourself a ready vessel. Let's recap. The first practice to prepare for the Spirit is to build the habit of building up believers. The second is to show your desire through devotion to prayer. And the third, make yourself a ready vessel. Now, as we wrap up, remember, if you have questions about this episode or any questions about the spiritual gifts or charismatic depth, subscribe to our Three Things Thursday newsletter and submit your questions for a future Q&A episode of Live Full. That's all for this episode. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Live Full, where our mission is to help followers of Jesus experience the fullness of Jesus. You can find articles, devotionals, resources, and podcast notes at caradox.com. And to stay updated on everything we release, sign up for our Three Things Thursday newsletter at caradox.com slash three things. Thanks to Charlie King for creating the music for this podcast. Thanks to our Caradox partners at Patreon for making this ministry possible. And to all of our listeners, thank you. This show exists for you. So thank you for listening and reviewing and spreading the word. Until next time, give your all to know and love and experience the fullness of Jesus. Because life to the full is life in Christ.